When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Brocast. I'm Tracy Pearson, Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I'm here with the illustrious beard, the inimitable Dave Woods. How you doing, Dave, on this fine Tuesday morning? I feel out of sorts. I feel strange. I feel like things are topsy-turvy. I feel like we're in the upside down. I feel like we have gone through the rabbit hole. I think we have gone through the looking glass. Um, How'd I do? Uh, that was amazing. It was amazing. You should do it all the time. I have some history, remember, in radio broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, that was a you magical do, mystery. You do, uh, you do the intro for bro, but you do it for the, what do you call on that thing now? The podcast of champions, the same okay. things we've been calling it since uh, since it started. Have we talked about um what you're going to do with that podcast, like in 2024? Um, there's been a lot of discussion. Uh, no, absolutely nothing has been uh, has been um, uh, thought about heavily. I think it's 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 either going to die or it's going to become. Uh, more weird in a different way. Either we're talking about the Big Ten, which we know nothing about, or we're continuing to talk about the Pac-12 as it goes further and further afield and these schools start scattering to the winds. Um, Can You know, and I'm legitimately asking this question. Um, Do you think you get a lot of viewership from the rest of the Pac-12 besides UCLA and USC fans? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, a lot, so, of, a lot of Utah, a lot of Washington. So what uh, we want to do is keep all those guys, but then expand your market. Yeah, it's about expanding the reach. So at a certain level, it then just becomes a national football podcast. Um, but I think is, the Pac-12 will, fans will want to hear still what you you guys have to say about the yeah, Pac-12. Yeah, but like, you know, but Cal's, you're not gonna be Cal, in, Cal's going to be in the Mountain West or the WAC or <laughs> Division Three, And, you know, do they want to hear about that's it? That's a podcast all on its own. Yeah, tell me about it. With the six um, people who would listen. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, I'm curious. I think the fans are curious. What's going to happen to that fine? The fans part? The fans are curious. Yes. The fans are curious. Um, so, Dave. Yeah. Um, you went to Pac-12 Football Media Day. I did. Last Friday. I did. In Las Vegas. How hot I was did. it in Las Vegas? It was 115 with... The first night I was there, Tracy, 27% humidity. That might not sound like a lot to you. But let me tell you, when it's 115 degrees out, it makes it like a sauna. 
It's like an oven where you have placed something in liquid, so it is essentially basting while it is in there. Um, it was very hot, is my point. It's, uh, the, I, it's the metal on your seatbelt in your rental car. If it touches your skin, you have to go immediately to the hospital. Well, it actually just slips through your skin like butter. It actually um, it uh, it causes a divergence in quantum mechanics where it's not like um, these things are creating a solid. It's just it slips through it. It 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 uh it, it cuts the atom. I just saw Oppenheimer. I did too. What would you think? It was great. I thought it was really good. Yeah, uh, I was. I have to admit, though, I had to go to get a seat. I had to go to an older theater, the kind where the seat doesn't recline back. Yeah, I me mean, too. Me too. And and the ones that recline back, you're right there with your little partner, right? Yeah. You you're kind of got your little space. You got a table. This one, you were right. I mean, you're you're right next to other people. Yeah, my no, wife, I was. I was. Well, wait, wait, wait. My like wife and airplane. I. My wife and I are there on one side of us. A woman coughing and sneezing the entire time on the other side on my wife's side a woman uh with a runny nose just going <laughs> i mean we <laughs> post pandemic i mean i don't know what was more frightening the the a-bomb going off or these two people sniffling and and sneezing <laughs> all over us <laughs> i mean she was sneezing into the back of the heads of those people in front of them and it was amazing for three hours she must have sneezed Coughed. Sorry, she must have coughed fifty times. Yeah, I will say this: I want to see the pure horror movie version of that movie, like the scene after uh, after Hiroshima. I just want to see that for an entire movie, like where that, they're that's all. A little. That's more telling about you, Dave. Oh man, that was tense. Uh, but it was really good. Uh, I thought the straw stuff didn't quite connect as well as it needed to, but everything else is pretty good. Um, um, I think Academy Awards. All the way around. Yeah, right. everybody, everybody's Celia, performance was Whatever his was name is, he was fantastic. Killian. Killian, sorry. It Robert, blew my mind when I learned so it was good. Killian. Killian. He yeah. is very short. I never realized he was that short on yep. Peaky Blinders. Um, and Robert Downey Jr., I mean, just hand it to him. Well, frankly, Emily Blunt, two minutes of, of that whatever. Well, we're not going to spoil it, but man, that little, that little, little bit. Uh at the end was pretty incredible. I mean, Emily Blunt is one of the, I love her. She's one of my favorite actresses, but a drunk, um, really offensive human being. And she's still attractive, right? <laughs> <laughs> damn, damn. And then wait, wait, uh, what's her name doing? Oh, I, we can't give it away. Yeah. Don't give it but away. there's one scene, you know, all actors talk about having sex scenes in front of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. How about that scene? Yeah. Woo. And become death. Now, people are going to go see it just because I said that. Yeah, there They're you gonna go. are going to sit through three hours just to see the sex scene I'm talking about. So anyway, I was splitting yeah. the atom in Vegas um, where the go. weather was. And uh, in in Vegas, so the uh, only anecdote I'll say about the heat, I arrive late after a long day of travel at like mm, 1230. I'm out waiting for a lift. And uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's 12.30 in the morning. Uh, it should be, you know, if not cool, it should be, you know, fine. People are looking like they're passing out from heat stroke waiting for the lift outside in a parking garage. Like, it's just that level of uncomfortable humidity um, was 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 dropping some people. The world's coming to an end, Dave. 
So I think we should all enjoy ourselves. Let's talk about UCLA sports. Let's do it. So There's nothing more enjoyable. <laughs> going into media day, mm-hmm. I think we all we had some concerns, uh, questions. And I thought I, I Chip Kelly, that is, did a fantastic job. I, when he's loosened up with a few jokes, he's great. He's really great. He's a he's a good interview. Wouldn't you say so? Since you were standing right there with a microphone in his face. Yeah. So what I would say about Chip was he came in with a good attitude, and he generally does at media day because um, yes. yeah, he's he's got some national media there too. Yeah. Um. So that was part of it, and then also you know we were asking about his dog to start off with, and you know just kind of that um you know kind of happy crappy. And uh, whenever you can do that, I mean, I think it eases him up a little bit. Um, I just don't think he he doesn't, you know, he gets a little anxious, I think, when a bunch of cameras are pointed at him. Um, so we we got him first. Shout out to UCLA uh, Media Relations. They did a great job with availability. Uh, Chip, we got him for a combined 50 minutes, something like that. That's a um, lot of Chip. That was a lot of chip, um, but it was you know that, that's that's more than we've gotten in many many years. You know they used to make all the coaches available for the lunch where they would be like literally sitting at a table for an hour and a half or two hours, and you would just with a big taco in their mouth. Yeah, and you would just be wandering around all the different coaches talking to whoever you wanted to talk to. They don't really do it that way anymore. Um, How so was get, the food though? That was the most important. Thing. Chicken was dry um, oh. and uh, tasteless. They didn't season it, but the the surrounding accoutrement was pretty good. We can say this now because UCLA is out of the Pac-12. Comes to media day, there's two things that are important. Two, really, the food has to be good and the Wi-Fi has to be good. Right, Wi-Fi was horrible in the actual venue, but when you went uh, two stories up to the banquet area, the Wi-Fi was pretty good. I know, but. See, we're media. It yeah. has to. There has yeah. to be no, Wi-Fi. Tell me about it. That's me about just it. crazy. And That's acoustics crazy. were horrible. Um, oh, go. Okay, strike three. Yeah. So, uh, but Chip was really good. Um, we. So the first time we got him, it was just kind of a, the typical scrum, but it was just the like local media. So we were BSing with him a little bit, um, and he was really, really good. He was very expansive. There were a few things I was trying to, you know, kind of get out of him over the course of the day. First was um, just this idea that uh, Dan Lynn hasn't called plays before. Um, you know, well, he, that, he's, that's uh, that we were gonna. Yes, I, let's start with that. That was one of the concerns going into media day. So, how do you think that was addressed? Well, he said, um, "Yeah, that, that that that's you know, it's 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 not an underrated topic. Like that is a that is a concern, but everyone has to start somewhere." Um, yeah, which is both but, true. but Connecticut, right? Not yeah, <laughs> it's both true, but also yeah, Wyatt, uh, major power five university. Uh, but he was like, you know, some people start at the NFL level where they're calling plays for the first time. Um, and then he went on and he was talking about how, you know, having the other guys on staff who have done it should be helpful too. you know, the, you know, Ken Norton jr. And, and whatnot. Um, That'd be an interesting stat. It's probably not out there, but um, the percentage of defensive coordinators that called the first game power five level team. I, I don't think there's that many. I can't imagine there's that yeah. many. Yeah. So that was interesting. 
Um, but he was, I mean, he was pretty, he was pretty effusive. He was, he was talking about a lot of different things. He kind of lit up when he was talking about Dantlin and Ken, uh, say his last name. Uh, Nyamatololo. Wow. That was good. Yeah. He, he, you could tell he liked, he likes having both of those guys on staff. He loves, uh, Nyamatololo. That yeah. was that was obvious and apparent. Um, and you know, he he said like all the leadership stuff, but even just having a guy like that who has coached, you know, such a such a kind of unique offense. I think, you know, that gets uh, that gets Chips kind of wheels turning. I think a little bit. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was, I think, he was just kind of, uh, you know, childlike excitement from having. to a triple a pure triple option guy in his uh in his coaching staff. I think we're going to see some triple option this year. I I wouldn't be surprised if there's some elements uh that he added. But he was also he was talking about him and he was like, you know, they added some shotgun to their offense. So he's not just like a pure a purist. You know, he he's a you know, he, he was, you know, saying he's kind of a a, a a expansive thinker. So, yeah. Uh sounds like that was a good hire. So that was one concern. What would you say coming away? Did you feel better about the hire of Dan Lynn? Would you say, given no, I, I, oh, I, I, felt the same. No, I, I felt no differently. I mean, I think okay. it's it's the it's a gamble. Um, I, I'm I think it could work out. I mean, he seems very sharp, and everyone seems to think he's pretty sharp. And there's a good history of Ravens assistants going and and doing well at their next positions so i think there's a lot of reasons to like it and then there's the obvious which is he hasn't done it before so how can you even know um and i didn't walk away with any kind of different impression but it was good to hear you know kind of that that's acknowledged man Uh, if this doesn't if if the defense isn't markedly better this is it's going to be it will be looked back on as i mean this is his third DC, essentially like his fourth, if you count Norwood coming in to tweak as an arrow. Um, and if this doesn't work, that'll be three or four defensive schemes that didn't work in six years. I, I mean, that is an albatross. If yeah. it weren't before, it it is a huge one now, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they needed, they needed to work at a very high level. Um, so all very interesting. Um, I'd say my biggest questions, well, first off, uh, one of them were injuries. He talked a little bit, Chip Kelly talked a little bit about injuries, players that were injured during spring. Yeah. So we got him over the course of the three availabilities. We basically got him to talk about everybody. Um, so Gary Smith, uh, said he's going to be available. Uh, Ali Kaho, I would say he sounded a little sketchier, but it sounds like he's going to be available. And when, but see, when he says available, that's a wide ranging. Yeah, and he, I, he was say, he was saying cleared. Um, that oh, was, so he said cleared. Yeah. So Gary Smith, I think there was. He said that you know automatically that one's that one's good to go. Ali Kaho, he just sounded like his tone of voice was a little bit differently. Um, Holstage. Uh, Totally fine. Uh, absolutely no issues, he said. Uh, Carson Ryan. Carson Ryan, totally fine. Um, and then the ones, so <laughs> he got a little bit uh, little bit 
his backup, a little bit uh, more defensive chip in our final time with him uh, of the day. And I asked him then about Ciali and uh, Titus, and that was when I don't think I got a real answer. It okay. was, oh, we'll see what they can do, basically. Got it. So still unsure about yeah. And Ciali is, is a key, I think, to that offensive line. Uh, UCLA has been lucky in the last several years, no injuries, really. Not any significant number to its offensive line. Um, even if these transfers come in, like Jake Wiley, the transfer from Colorado, and he plugs in to right guard and he's good, fantastic. But you you need at least one guy who can play off the bench. And from what we saw of Siale Tapaki last year, that would have, in his first, I think he played four games, three games? Yeah. He would be the guy. And he'd be kind of a swing guy. He'd play, he could play uh, tackle or guard, I think. Agreed. So he's, he's key because... I mean, Benjamin Roy will be able to get some time at center. We think he's good enough for that, and maybe even at guard. But in, after really all that, there's no one I have confidence in that can go in off the bench and and supply significant or just minutes and without a real drop-off. You know, Josh Carlin has never really done much. He looked okay in spring, though. He looked remember. better than he's looked, I'll say yeah. that. But uh, not a lot of confidence the confidence there with the offensive line bench. No, no. And I think that's, um, you know, they have to hope for a year where they're about as healthy as last year, um, which, uh, you know, uh, for Chip's program, that's been okay. But it doesn't, you don't have to go too deep into the history books to find a year where UCLA was absolutely decimated on the offensive line. So I'd say the biggest, you know, and I hate to just pin it on this, kid because everyone's trying i get it but noah puliali as a prospect looked like a great prospect he's going into his redshirt sophomore year he's got to do something now <laughs> uh i mean he had all the tools in high school so the delay in his development has been something um so i'd like to see really like to see something from him uh that would be great yeah um so let's see what other injuries were there. Uh, That's pretty much oh, it. What do, you, from what do you say about TMA? Uh, that was one of the ones where he got very sketchy. He got sketchy. Well, okay. it wasn't like I don't think it had anything to do with the injury. I think it had more to do with um, he was getting a little getting his back up towards the end. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot. Did you say fifty minutes? Yeah, it was a long time ago with Chip. Yeah, that's a lot. Um. But, you know, every media day, even pre-Chip Kelly, they talk about injuries to status, and then we walk out and we see some guys on the sideline. No doubt. No doubt. And we never got an expansive injury update where he was like, okay, here's some new stuff that happened or anything like that. It was all we had to ask specifically about specific people and he yeah. either gave well, he's he no. never does that. No, no, no. he doesn't yeah. play those games. And uh, I mean, Dacian Morrell too, right? He ended spring. I think he was just coming back, but it was still limited. Now I know we're talking about what fifth string running back. Yeah, but but it, we're trying to be comprehensive here, Dave. Yeah, no, he didn't, nothing. On nothing. Him. He wasn't mentioned. No. Okay. Um. So probably fairly healthy. It certainly sounds that way, unless there were, again, unknown 
inordinate injuries during workouts, which can happen. Uh, they're usually not uh, too many, though. So then the elephant in the room is all about the quarterback battle. Um, we've been reporting for a couple of months that we are hearing a buzz around the program that uh, about Dante Moore. Not necessarily that he was clearly going to win the starting spot, but from the buzz we were hearing is there was some momentum. What, what, was your, what was your read on the quarterback situation from media day? So it's hard to read too much except to say that nobody was really asking about Ethan Garbers and everyone was asking about Dante Moore and Chip was more than willing to lean into that. Now, you can take from that nothing, or you can take from it that, well, when typically asked about, you know, that sort of thing, Chip might say, well, we've got a bunch of great options, and yada, 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 yada. But he was answering about Dante Moore and willing to just kind of answer about Dante Moore. Um, so I thought that was interesting. He didn't give anything away about who he's selecting for the starting job. Um, and he made it pretty clear that uh, they might not announce it at all. It'll just be who rolls out there uh, for the first game. Um, and, you know, he, he. I think it was Ben brought up, you know, for the Wilton competition, they had uh, announced like three or four days before the game. And he said that was more because um, they had other guys in the competition um, and, you know, wanted to be fair to them and tell them, you know, kind of what the score was. Uh, but this year he didn't anticipate they would be doing that. Got it. Um, yeah, so that's the takeaway from Media Day. Uh, the desserts uh, were good. Desserts. Key. They didn't do themed desserts. You know they used to do the themed yeah, desserts? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I saw Jaime Jaquez, he was eating the Arizona cake, cupcake. I said, what are yeah. you doing, man? He goes, I'm eating it. <laughs> he, likes, he likes the flavor better. <laughs> um, MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Okay, so uh, we're, we're about a week out. We uh, are it, about a week out, Tracy. We, we can say camp starts next Wednesday. We, we are eight days. And eight we'll be straight out. with you. We have no idea as to the, the schedule after that. Um, there's truly no reason for anyone to show up the lot eight. Um, you can't. I don't you think. can't. It's not over. They'll tackle you and take you to UCLA football jail. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Dave just started his 
August camp previews. Yep. Uh, started with quarterback. Uh, very well done. Nothing too surprising there, nope. I'd say. Uh, you know, <sighs> while we can break this down position by position, it just it, it just keeps jumping out at me about I'm looking at this defense and, you know, UCLA's concern at defense is always defensive line. Almost always, right? You know, they just don't have the horses, they don't have the players. If on the interior, Gary Smith, you know, flashed last year. He he looked like the best interior lineman. Jay Toia is going to be a junior, mm-hmm. has NFL potential. Keanu Williams was a standout during spring, uh, was performed better than we actually thought he would. That's interior. You got a bunch of guys who might be able to go in and give you a play here or two. But then the edges, I mean, are... Do we have the best defensive end edge situation in a very long time? Maybe since Anthony Barr, if we're considering him an edge. Leiatu Latu is one of the best returning edges in the country. Um, the Murphys, while they have some downside to their performance, um, they still have some effectiveness too. I was really impressed with Jake Heimlicker. Uh <laughs> I wrote that thing in the preview where I just kept saying to you during spring, Heimlicker, mm-hmm. Heimlicker, mm-hmm. Be- because he was making play after play. Mm-hmm. Um, he I, never I, choked. Uh, oh, <laughs> but if if there's someone there who was needed to do the Heimlich, you'd have a you'd have a Heimlicker. You'd have a Heimlicker. Uh, do you remember the defensive line being? having this much talent. Okay. Maybe All right. I'm, I'm, I'm pumping some brakes here. I got to pump some brakes. Okay. Pump. Cause them. I agree with you on the edges to an extent. I, I think Lato is, uh, he's probably the best they've had since Tack McKinley. Probably. Okay. Somewhere in that range. Uh, the Murphys are solid. I uh, performance wise, I don't think it's quite matched up with what they did in practice, but maybe they take it a step forward, uh, this year. And Carl Jones, situationally, you know, we, we are, in as much as we are David Singleton report online, we are also Carl Jones report online. Um, and, uh, you know, I wasn't as as super high on Heimlicker as you were, but certainly there's some ability there. Defensive tackle, I'm still concerned um, because they've got three guys in the rotation. Uh, if all stay perfectly healthy, Gary Smith has not been perfectly healthy. Um, he's missed a ton of time. And if you're talking about the rest of the depth chart, none of those guys should be playing considerable snaps at this level. Completely agree. But what I'm saying is usually we look at this and from the first guy on the depth chart is questionable. And there isn't even anyone behind like the first two or three guys. There yeah, are guys who could potentially play. We used to look at the depth chart and say, "Wow, there, there's no one here who can even play." Yeah, I'm just trying to I'm trying to uh, temper this a little bit because there was a time when Kenny Clark and Eddie Vanderdose were starting on the same defensive line. That was the freakish one year. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. there were I mean there were there were other years where they had some um, some dudes. It's uh, this is I will say this. I think this is probably the best that's been under Chip, um, which is. Again, the defenses have been pretty bad. 
but this is probably the best it's been under Chip. I'll I'll I'll, I'll grant that. Um, okay, yeah, I just, yeah. The depth the depth at defensive tackle is what's uh, still a concern for me because um, Keanu Williams I liked him a lot in spring. He hasn't played a ton of football. Um, Gary Smith's been hurt a lot, and when you're getting into it, then it's a lot of guys who either haven't played a lot or have played and uh, look like clear backups and backups to backups at this level. Glass is half full, Dave. We're getting this morning. I like it. Um, <laughs> linebacker. Uh, where would you assess linebacker right now? I mean, Darius Muasawa had a mixed performance last year. He got a lot of tackles, but there were a Looked lot of better times. this spring, but yeah. Yeah. So that's a question mark. Um, Last year, I wasn't a Shea Bryant Strother fan. Looked better this spring, but looked yes. Looked better this spring. John John Vaughn's, I was a fan last year until toward the end. It looked like he was nicked up some. Yep. Uh, our guy is Femi uh, Oladejo, which Correct. he had a spring. He had a big spring. Uh, where would you assess linebackers at this if they point. can't if they can't come up with two bodies who can play at a really high level i'm i, I i'm i'm kind of out on the idea of like uh football generally like look at the like would the you num- question ken norton's ability to get just well, get two guys if, out of all these if bodies? they can't get two guys out of all this i think you have to question everything scheme position coach the whole thing because there's a lot of talent here uh, Shea Bryant Strother, like just looking at him, like if, if somebody walked out on the practice field and just saw him and was like, oh, wow, look at that guy. Yep. Uh, John John Vaughn's one of the most instinctual players on the entire team. Um, yeah, they've got the problem that he likes to play baseball every sp- spring, but uh, just pure instincts. Kane uh, Madrano, if you're talking about Kane Madrano, just a yeah. specimen. Yeah. Um, Femi Aladejo, just a specimen. And then, um, you know, there's just, I mean, Ali Kaho, if he's actually back. Uh, and then there's the true freshman, frankly, um, uh, uh, Solomon Mal- Mal- Malafu looked really good this spring. Um, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's going to play this year, but he looked really good. Um, I think he changed his, he cut it off. It's now Monet Malafu. Malafu. Whatever, whatever, man. Hey, I'm just trying to keep everyone, this is our job, to, Dave. I'm just trying to read our damn I wasn't, I wasn't correcting you. Honest to God. Uh, and then Jalen Woods, you know, uh, we like Jalen Woods. They like Jalen Woods. Jalen Woods has. Uh, I like Jalen Woods. Name. I think he has a lot of upside. He, yeah, he he's was got a great name in practice. So great name. Um, so I guess my point is, there's a lot of bodies here that we like athletically. That we like, you know. Oh wow, that guy's got some major upside. They got to start tapping that upside because um, this is <laughs> for the defense. This is probably the most like talented group like when you get to like eight or nine guys that you're like oh yeah that guy might be able to play that guy might be able to play um to not get two who can really play right now i think is a major fail this is interesting because i tried to come at looking at the defensive talent from a fresh perspective just wiped my brain clean and what you just said about linebackers what i now Get, get rid of all your predisposed ideas about the secondary and just think about the potential talent back there. Devin Kirkwood <laughs> should be an NFL player. 
he just, has the tools to be an NFL player. Take right? the five cornerbacks, like just take. <laughs> that's a great point. Jalen <laughs> Davies was a four-star guy. He's got talent. Isaiah Newcomb and Croy Stewart are two of the best athletes on the team, and John Humphrey is is a big, long athlete. He's a these Kirkwood guys, clone. These yeah. guys should be good. Right? They're all they're, they're, they're all the prototype for what you want in an NFL corner athletically. Then look at then look at safety. Yep. I mean, Kenny Churchill is going to be in his sixth year. He's always had the potential to be good. One of the best hitters on the team. Um, Jordan Anderson was an all something league guy. The transfer is coming in. Um, Kamari Ramsey. Kamari Ramsey might is the most talented among all of them. Yep. Uh, Quinn Steven looks apart. Uh, there should there's enough talent here on the that's what i'm saying my overall there's enough talent on this defense there's no i don't think there's any excuse uh, no when, the theory of if the case they is fail it's all coaching. or falter it i don't it's not i don't think it's the players anymore yeah well, no it's did, it's a yeah. scheme there's enough here um yeah. and that's even with you know what i was saying about defensive tackle uh if you've got the right system in place, you can work around some things. Um, and if they are in a position where, you know, Dovid Magna and, and Sidivani Haveli Kavusi have to play a bunch, um, there's ways to work around that, not perfectly, if you've got a good scheme in place, if you've got a good uh, coaching staff and some good heads on shoulders. Um, but it, uh, we have, like, frankly, we haven't seen it um, for four years. So. Uh, hopefully Dantlin's um, addition uh, plays a huge role here uh, because there's there are some dudes on this team who could be very good. And again, I'm, I'm circling linebacker where it's just like these are the guys who can be most harmed by issues up front on the defensive line. Um, and if they're you know, if it is more stable to your point this year and the scheme is good, you could see much much better performances from guys you might have written off like a guy like Kane Medrano hasn't really played a whole uh, hasn't played a lot of good football uh so far in his career but he's one who if you know if if things are cleared up in front of him a little bit more he has a tremendous amount of athletic ability um so I, there's reason to be hopeful um to your point there's reason to think that this could work but it, uh, so much is going to depend on scheme and coaching i'm going to simplify this i am saying there's this I, I i have confidence in the offense um i think this season is just a good scheme and good defensive coaching away from from having a clearly successful season so i'm placing it all on that and it's about time Right. About damn time. Hey, hey, uh <laughs> I have to I have to admit, I I've got a thing for, for George. Georgie. Uh Klyavkov. Klyavkov. I, I I mean I, as a UCLA fan, I should only have a passing interest in the Pac twelve now, but his comments again, I I'm so intrigued with what he has to say. I mean, first off, there's an edge. There's an edginess. There's an open resentment towards UCLA and USC. And it comes out in what he says, I think. And then this whole sustained thing about the media deal. It's coming out soon. <laughs> Two how more long, weeks. How long have we been hearing this? A year and a half? Uh, it's At least been, a year. It's been hard 
uh, it's been since December that they've been saying, "Oh, it's coming soon. It's gonna, it's gonna surprise you." Yada yada yada. And uh, every, it's seemingly every month or every few weeks, they'll get a new one of the presidents of the universities on record saying, "Oh, yeah, it's coming out in the next couple of weeks." Um, and it's just I- continuing idiocy. It's probably not going to be announced for months. And then one of them says, nah, <laughs> there's nothing imminent. It's, it's so intriguing to me. Um, and he did it again at Pac-12 Media, right? You witnessed those comments, did you, Dave? Yes. Um, he basically said, well, we're not going to announce anything because we want to keep the focus on football. And then when pressed... Oh, well, does that mean there is a media deal? He's like, oh, don't read too much into it. Um, and it's like, no, you just, you literally just said the only reason you're not announcing is because you want to keep the focus on football. And now you're saying, what, that that's not the actual reason? Like, it, the own goals this guy kicks, it's, you know, I was giving him a pass for a really long time because Larry Scott was so bad. Um, and because Larry Scott was so bad, he was dealt a really bad hand. But, Every single time he has to uh, make a new move, it seems like he steps on a rake um, and just whacks himself in the head. You don't need to fib in public um, as much as he does. And you don't need to project strength when there is no strength to project. When somebody asks you, are you going to talk about a media deal today? You give the obvious and true answer. No, we don't have a media deal to announce yet. Um, we are working hard. We 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 feel like whatever the ec- and say stuff that is true. The economic picture has changed, and we think things are getting better and thawing a little bit. And we're having productive conversations with a lot of different networks. You saw the CW actually did jump into media rights, so we think there are going to be continue to be more players. And at this point, we aren't in a rush. You know, we have a year to figure this out. All of the schools are still in the league, so we have time. Uh, we want to get something announced soon, but we don't want to rush it. Dave, you can I've, I've got the that. solution. You go from podcast of champions to Pac-12 commissioner. That's all I'm saying. It's not. It's not that hard to do this, even if things are bad. Like even if things are bad, you don't have to project yourself as a boob. And I think the problem is he's coming off like a boob. And the thing is. And this is what I'll say about George. I don't think he's an idiot. I just don't think he was prepared. Um, I think he was prepared to be an ideas guy. He was prepared to be a marketing guy. He was prepared to do all of that stuff for the Pac-12 to kind of rejuvenate the brand. And then he got hit with whammy after whammy as soon as he entered the league. Um, and he is not gifted at crisis management. Well, just, just, and then the edginess. He's yeah, asked, he's not, you previously, previously supported an eight-game model. Has that mm-hmm. changed? Quote, that was back when we had UCLA and USC that were going to be part of the future. <laughs> yeah. We had started putting together a pretty interesting pod structure uh, when we were at 12 teams. I was really excited about that. And then I got shortchanged at the end of June last year. <laughs> yeah. And, and the oh, thing my is, God. Does I, he stay up at night bitching at his wife about, like, I can't believe UCLA and USC. I mean, what the I'll, hell I'll I, I feel sympathy for him because he... I do he too, but he doesn't have to be uh, totally. this kind of attitude in public. Totally. And that's the thing is, I don't think he was prepared for the kind of job that this immediately became after he got into it. Okay, then, but when it happened, get prepared. 
No, totally, totally. And a professional would. A professional would be like, okay, how do I need to approach this now? Um, and I just don't. It's clear that it's not in his tools toolkit. Like he he does not have the ability to um, manage this manage the message properly when things are going south. I mean, I think there's some therapy needed here, just specifically for dealing with this, with UCLA and USC leaving and the Pac-12 media deal. Yep. Just in being able to talk about it publicly. Dang. But I'm, I, I, any good George story I'm reading. (laughs) Oh, he's, it's entertainment value. Wow. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's something, he's something else. Okay, so Dave, anything else going into August camp next week that you would like to discuss that you think is really salient? As one more thing moment? from one more thing from Media Day was yes. uh, the media poll did come out. It was about what we expected. I said I think, sixth, and we and said sixth, sixth, and it was sixth. Um, and we both think that's probably a little low. Um, yeah, but I understand. I mean, the Pac-12 media is all about what have you done for us lately. Like nah, the, they're they're picking quality. They're not actually thinking about the schedule. Um, not schedule. They're not. They're not looking at future rosters. They're just they go. Uh, what they do last year? Do they have a returning quarterback? Yeah, and UCLA it, it just may be the sixth best team in the Pac-12. I don't think that's where they're finishing in the league. Um, yeah, it's it's schedule, baby. All right, and into August camp. Um, I mean, the main things that I'm going to be focused on uh, really have to do with the integration of the offensive linemen, you know, Kadir Kunta and Jake Wiley. I want to know, you know, that that's actually working, that that's functional. We're not going to know it, but we can um, ask about it a lot. Did Uh, did Chip say anything about Jake Wiley? Yeah, I mean, he he said, you know, nothing memorable, but... Yeah, we, we had an opportunity to get these guys out of the portal. We knew, you know, we wanted that guy and yada, yada, yada. Hey, all the, the new heights and weights came out. Yeah. And sometimes it's very telling. I mean, because you think, oh, that's probably true. And then other times it looks like they're kind of fudging on a height or something. But yeah, Jake Wiley measured at 6'6". Six, six. That's, that's, that's a big boy. That's a big boy. I mean, he's the same size as uh, Kadir Kunta. Oh, Everyone said, offensive linemen and defensive linemen, so Duke Clemens said, Kadir Kunta, he's a big dude. Like, right. big dude. Yeah. Um, and for offensive linemen to say that about another offensive lineman... Um, it means they're looking up at him. It means he's big. Yeah. Um, and he's listed 6'6", 310, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe a little bit maybe a little bit heavier than that. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, so... Um... Anything else for me to do? And, oh, anything else going into practice next week? No, not really. Okay. Um, I'm excited to, to, to watch as much as we can and, uh, you know, hear, hear how some of these guys are doing. I really wish we could just watch, like, the first, you know, the first couple of days are only in shorts anyway. Yeah. I would just like to see, you know, uh, body like, changes and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that would be great. Yeah. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Okay, that's football. That's football. You want to talk about basketball, I know, because you always do. I love basketball. All right, basketball. Um, The Maui Invitational schedule came out, Tracy. Yes. And they also announced, uh, well, non-conference schedule altogether, UCLA. But yes, Maui did come out. UCLA is facing Marquette in its first game. Maui, Jim Maui. It will play the winner of Kansas Chaminade. 
Well, so they got a big matchup with Shamanad coming. You see in how diplomatic two. I was saying yes. it wasn't just Kansas. <laughs> Other side of the bracket. I mean, this is a loaded Maui classic, right? Yes. Um, what Gonzaga, Purdue, uh, Purdue. Uh, I mean, Tennessee. Pretty loaded. Um, and Dave will be there. I'm going to be there. <laughs> That'll be fun. It's going to be great. Syracuse also in it. Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, you know, UCLA Marquette on the 20th. Um, and then so on, go on and on from there. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, the, this is a very, very tough tournament. Um, I think tempering your out, your uh, expectations for it uh, would be ideal just going in no matter, <laughs> like, they're gonna have you know twelve guys on the roster, uh, 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 but this is this is a different beast. Um, this is going to be uh, a challenge getting through this. I think better than if they end up two and one, that would be amazing. But I think one and two is probably the uh, the baseline expectation going into this one. So have you been watching some of the uh, FIBA U eighteen European Championship? Mm hmm. So. Um... Uh, De Mara has played in three games, three games so far. So pretty good player. This is what's interesting. <laughs> so he's playing against his peers. He's playing against eighteen-year-olds, which is the same as if we went out to an AAU tournament to watch a prospect play against his peers. Previously with Zaragoza, that's a pro league, one of the best pro leagues, most competitive pro leagues in Europe. He's playing against thirty-year-old uh, seasoned pros. Right, so everyone was judging him on that, uh, but when we judge a prospect, most of the time, we don't see kids in AAU ball going out and playing in a pro summer league. We see them playing bad AAU basketball against other 16, 17, 18 year olds. Not even all eighteen year olds, but sometimes a lot sixteen year olds, and they're eighteen. So that's where we have to compare it to. If we're going by uh, Mara's performance in his first three games, playing against his peers. Well, let's just okay. Let's just rack up the stats to begin with. Eighteen point seven points per game, nine point three rebounds, two assists per game, and those are all great stats. Eighty four percent from the free throw line. <laughs> they kept fouling him down the line against Italy, and he went nine for ten. That's uh, such a good sign. He is. As I said from the very beginning, he is an offensive, he's a unique offensive player. At 7 3, uh, his ability to uh, score with his back to the basket, uh, his passing ability, his, his overall offensive game. Does he travel a lot? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> he plays in Europe, they travel a lot. Um, but the tools. The offensive tools for a 7-3 player are really unique. Um, defensively, he, yeah. Does he get pushed around a little? Yes. But he does play pretty physically for for how... When you're 7-3, you can get a 6-3 guy just undercut you and move you off the block. I've seen it hundreds of times watching uh, and evaluating prospects. Um, he does a better job of it for being 7-3. I've seen 6-10 guys get pushed around like that. Being 7-3, it's more difficult, and he does 
very well at maintaining his position given who he is. And then the shot blocking is just a natural, naturally great shot blocker. There are some times when he's leaving block shots on the table too because there are some times where all he had to do, and it's just coaching. He just needed to move his feet one step and he'd be right in line for another block shot. So uh, we're talking all about him because it's still anticipated that he will be at UCLA uh, as soon as this early August in time to enroll and then play with UCLA when it returns to Spain in three exhibition games, which is really crazy and ironic. Um, But thinking about watching this prospect, who, given what I've seen, should be, in my opinion, a top 15 player in the class of 2023. Um, If he's not, I understand 24-7 sometimes is we haven't seen him in person. I get it. And it's hard going off of just video, but now you have you have complete games here, playing against some pretty decent eighteen-year-olds. Um, so yeah, I I I think he's a top fifteen conservatively in in that class. But then you start thinking about him, uh, a Dembona, Burke, Bayern Tunchel. I mean, dang, this front line could be. The talent level is really unprecedented in a lot. I don't remember this kind of talent. Albeit young, will make a lot of mistakes, travel, foul. But the talent, Dave, is really exceptional. Yeah, a lot of size. Um, size and skill. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a journey. Um, from the beginning, I mean, there's going to be some obvious talent, and then there's going to be some obvious inexperience. But um, if it if it coheres uh, by February or March, team's going to be really good. Um, you know, it's, and I think looking at the track record for Mick Cronin now through what is this three years, four years, four years uh, through four years, it seems like it always kind of does. Um, whatever issues there were at the beginning of the year, they tend to get ironed out um, uh, by February, March. They're, uh, I, you know, I, I was I was tempering my expectations um, a while ago, and I still think there are going to be some matchup um, things that need to be figured out. I still don't know, again, defensively, how the size lineup works um, against a lot of what is present in college basketball. But all that's going to get figured out, and when it does, the the pieces that they have to plug in, especially once they've had three months of college basketball experience, it's going to be a really talented team, and they're gonna they're gonna be in very good shape, I think, by the time February or March comes around. Now, the guys that have been in the summer workouts, uh, uh, I've gotten some little intel on them. Uh, the the f- incoming French wing Alain Fiblois, uh, Fiblois. F- are that he's really athletic. Oh, uh, they they added a pronunciation to UCLA's website. Oh, they did. Do you know what it is? Play it. They have you, a little thing that plays they, it. I don't think they did that. I think they just oh. wrote it. It's on his profile. Okay. Fiblet. 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 Um, he is reportedly very very athletic. Great defender. Uh, good with the ball, uh, inconsistent shot. 
Like, oh, hang looks on. Good. Yeah. They did add it. Yeah. Hang on, let me listen to it. You, you gotta believe me sometimes, Dave. Fibloué. So Fibloué. they've written it as Fible. But, but the he, sound is Fible. He is 100% not saying Fible. Yeah. When he pronounces it. We're going anyway. to just keep this going. We're going to perpetuate yeah, the yeah. myth. I think he's changing it every time. <laughs> just to screw with us. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll look good. Shot will look good. And then he'll miss, you know, pretty badly. So uh, shot is a work in progress. Uh, Brandon Williams has gotten a, um, that's the freshman from New York, 6'7", combo forward. Needs to improve his body. Don't forget he's really young. But uh, the senses likes his uh, the game, his overall game, has a really good feel. Uh, Devin Williams, as we know, is 6'10", and very skinny. Um, we'll just need to put on weight and strength. He's uh, listed at 200. How many pounds uh, do you think that is off? I, you know what, Dave? I, I bet he's anywhere from 195 to 200, but he is 6'10", and he yeah. should be 235. So <laughs> <laughs> he's, got a, he's got 35 pounds to gain. Uh, I, I reported that I had heard uh, that Will McClendon was shooting the ball better. Of course, this, this is just shooting. This isn't there, – there aren't – there are no games being played and he's obviously cleaned up his body um looking at pictures yeah uh dylan andrews stepping into a leadership role as you would expect Uh, he's he's rocked out he's got guns now yeah uh stefanovich uh really impressed with his leadership he's doing exactly what you would expect that he's being you know a, a veteran leader so you know and uh, Dembona is only doing work. He, he's only doing uh, personal, uh, individual workouts. Not uh, able to play in team and will not participate in Spain. So I don't know. I, I'm and oh, we didn't mention uh, Jan Vide, who's not enrolled yet. I'm hearing he could be coming to the Los Angeles area at just about any time. He's coming to America. I I really like. So if we were going to think about what we wanted to do with the, we've had the same team essentially. And the core was Tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkes and Jalen Clark, let's say, um, if you were going to just say, you're going to lose all those guys. I would, I would really like to have replaced it with some talent like this, just to watch because that's fun for me. Like, uh, a day Mara is going to travel and then he's going to next play dunk the ball without leaving his feet. That's really fun. Then to have a middle of the road talent who's consistently pretty good, but without a great ceiling, this is going to be a really exciting, there are going to be some things that they do probably early on in non-conference cupcake where we're going to be blown away. By the talent level. And then they won't score for six minutes. <laughs> yeah. But I love that. That That's fun for me to watch. Because for, you know, I got into this because it's fun to watch to see how basketball players develop. So I think this is going to be a really fun, fun season. And then you've got a coach. 
could you want a coach? Is there any other coach in the country who can take some talent and mold it and hone it into something as a collective that's better by March than McCronin? Completely. I, I do want to, I want to really underscore a point here for everyone out there. You are going to have a moment, you out there, you listening right now in December where you are like, this team sucks. They're, they're horrible. Mick Cronin's lost it. They're not good. This is bad. They're going to lose a bunch of games. They need to start over. They it's do it every year. They did it last they year. They do the it every year. Every year. And it's going to be even more pronounced this year because they're so young and there's going to be games where every single one of them plays like a true freshman. Like, that's going to happen. Just keep in mind, it's not for December, it's for March. And by the time March comes around, they're going to be pretty good. Um, So no matter what it looks like in December, I want you to focus on that. And it may affect their seeding. They may not end up having the resume for a top four seed, and they may not be in the West, and that's I would say that's probably likely at this point. But they're going to be pretty good by the time March comes around. It's just it's going to take some time. So just build it into your head now. They're not going to be that good in December. They're not going to be that good in December. They're going to sweep through some cupcakes and convince me they're really good. And then they're going to fall flat on their face against an experienced team that's not that good. That's going to happen. I'm going to be okay with it. Give yourself some mantras, okay? What you just said was brilliant and completely futile. I know, I know, but I just I want them to start now, and maybe it'll sink in by the time December comes around. And frankly, for me too, because I'm I'm prone to you know thinking what's in front of my face is the only thing that'll ever happen. Um, so. That's just nice all do that it you together. conceded that. I don't see that about you. I, I, but it's great that you're saying that about yourself. Um, that's very self-effacing. But, uh, okay, let's just say, given who I am, that I cover this team and I know a lot about UCLA basketball and I'm pretty good at evaluating and seeing that every year I have a group of friends, UCLA fans, who want to talk about UCLA basketball. What's the team going to be like? Who's going to be? And I tell them. Hey, they're going to be good. They're going to, you know, this is going to happen. They'll develop here. Uh, Amari Bailey's probably going to start out a little slow, but by the end of the year, he's going to. After a few games last season, I had a group of those friends texting me saying, wow, you missed it this time. Amari Bailey's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) He's horrible. He's not an NBA player. He can't play in the NBA. He's four years at UCLA. And I'll, you know, I just write, oh, okay. And then. or just so much. Oh, uh, wait, a Dembona, a, a Dembona can't play. I, I mean, just he can run, he can jump, but there's more to that than being a in being a basketball player. I mean, on and on and on. And I get it. In the, the non-conference, it's my texts get overloaded. And God bless y'all. <laughs> it's every year, and and then by by March. Uh, I don't think they look back and think, God, I remember I said, and I won't remind them, you know, come on. But every year, and these are friends of mine that do this. I I, I find it's, Dave, there's got to be some psycho babble uh, definition for this. What would you, there's got to be something that every, every year you do the same thing and you fall into this trap. 
It's it's immediacy. It's you know believing what's in front of your face. Okay, let's call it that. Uh, believing what's in front of your face syndrome. Yeah. No no ability to uh, think ahead. Okay. It's uh what's it called the marshmallow test? Is that what it is? What's the marshmallow test? I don't know that. Uh, what is it? It's uh so the marshmallow experiment was uh experiment on delayed grat- gratification. So people, um, it, it's a little bit different because this is, um, would you pass up this to get this in a little bit and nobody will do it. Like very few people will do it. They want the immediate gratification. Would you take a million dollars now or wait five years and take $20 million? Correct. Basically that whole idea. Um, and the people who can wait longer are generally going to have better life outcomes. Um, and so it's just, it's kind of the same thing. People want their immediate gratification, and the thing is, they don't have any stake in this, so it, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, it's not their, they're not controlling the outcome, but it is this uh, desire for immediate gratification. It's just not that, too. It, it's, it's a, it, it impacts their perception. All of this happens, like Dembona, Amari Bailey have a bad game. Their perception now is, is that these guys are bad players. Oh my God! Now Jaime Hawkes isn't very good. Tiger Campbell also is not very good. I mean, so now this team isn't very. They're they're All going right, you nowhere. Want, you want my full thing on this because sure. there's a there's a, a thing people are prone to, especially. Um, uh it's especially highly emotional uh catastrophic thinking how it is now is how it will always be um where it's you know you 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 constantly catastrophize things where you're thinking okay these things is bad and it's never going to get any better sports fandom is itself highly emotional people turn off their brains a lot of times um you know and, and they end up you know it's it's very it can be very tribal it can be very you know i'm i'm in my I'm in my thing. Very uh, black and white. There's very no black nuance, and white. no and so complication. Yet. Otherwise intelligent people. Uh, Who deal the, in nuance in their whole, in exactly. their real lives, their business, and they get to sports and it's do all Do the highly white. emotional thing, which is yeah. they, when things go poorly, they catastrophize. They, they make it, well, how it is now is how it will always be. And Amari Bailey doesn't look good right now. So he's never going to be any good. And this season's going to suck. And I feel bad. And I'm going to tell you how bad I feel about it now. Um, and it's, it's uh, in as much as, uh, any of this is normal, it's normal. Um, but breaking out of that, if you can keep a level head and keep a perspective, um, how it is now is not how it will always be. Things change. This too shall pass. It's a little Uh, bit of BBS. There's some BBS in that, right? It's, I, I think it's, it's because of the, 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 the high emotional charge that people get from sports fandom, it makes everyone, uh, not to get too pejorative, a little crazy. Um, because that kind of catastrophic thinking is a little crazy not in a pejorative way. It's just, you know, your brain's not working quite right. It makes everyone a little bit crazy. So BCT. Uh, yeah. Bruin catastrophic thinking. Bruin catastrophic thinking. Um, and so, you know, that's just, uh, you gotta, you gotta bake that into your understanding of yourself. Kind of, it's just a little ingredient in that little pie. That little cocktail. That little that makes our, pie we got. That little cocktail that makes our brains what they are. <laughs> Uh, makes our Bruin brains what they are. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we talked about that. I yeah. feel better. That was good. Okay. Um, this is Tracy Pearson for Bruin wow. Report Online. I know. I just did that out of nothing. That's great. Uh, 
It uh, loved having you here today. It was great. Love this. I thought we did really well, Dave. We turned a, this podcast out of nothing, practically. Out of nothing. Uh, for Dave Woods, uh, we'll see you next time. Goodbye, y'all. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.